today we're going to honor mothers. And don't tune out men and fathers and teens. Don't tune, you, don't tune out because I promise you that you're going to get something out of this as well. But, um, but I want to talk about moms a little bit. And I want to talk about um, the different forms of motherhood that you might be in right now because I've got a cord problem going on. Anyway, um, so the different forms of motherhood. You might be an empty nester, an empty nest mom, and longing for those kids that are off and they're grown-ups, and you might be the mom of these little ones, and you're frazzled, and you don't know what day it is, and you haven't had a shower in a week. And then there's, you know, the, the foster moms. There's the... Um, um, adoptive moms, there's the stepmoms, there's the um, moms that are not yet moms, yes. that are longing to conceive and, and, and crying out to the Lord for conception. And uh, future moms, you know, there's just everyone is, is represented here, even moms that are grieving the loss of some of their um, little ones that didn't make it, and um, or that are actually uh, graduated to heaven early. And so, I just, I just want to honor all of you and all of who you are. I actually fit many of those categories. I'm a grandma already. I've got kids that have flown the coop. I have little ones still. I'm a stepmom. I'm a spiritual mom. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I've got these covered. I even have babies in heaven as well. So, um, but I'm not longing to be another one. That longing, that's not there. We're good. My cup is full. I'm okay. So please don't pray that over me. I'm all right. Okay, so this is not a how to be a better mom message because they would not have chosen me for that. I'm just letting you know. Okay, this is a get real, let's talk about what motherhood is really like message. Okay, this is not a typical Oh, it's so amazing to be a mother. And when I fold their laundry, I pray over every piece because I have it all together. And I'm amazing, and I meal plan. I'm just letting you know I meal plan. And I do it all really well. You know, we're not, mm -mm, nope, 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 nope. This is a real message about what motherhood is. And I'm telling you right now, we feel like failures, okay? Is it true? Do you? And I mean, and it doesn't matter which, which like piece of what, what step of the road you're on. If you've got a kid throwing a fit in Walmart, you know what I'm saying? And that happens and you're like, boom, shame. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm failing. I can't even make my three-year-old mind, you know? And I can't even just shut up, shut up. And then somebody heard you say shut up and then you're like freaking out. I mean, it's just this like, Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I, I'm giggling because Kelsey's little girl like, like, got her on Facebook Live, went on Facebook Live, her little two-year-old went on Facebook Live, and so everybody's peeking in on what's happening at Kelsey's house. And I'm thinking to myself, just like you were, I'm thinking to myself, oh, if that would have ever happened to me, what would I have done in the background? You know what I'm saying? Like, we have these things. We are trying, guys. We're trying as mothers. We're doing our best, and we're working hard, and, and it's just really tough. And sometimes you get to the point where your children hit, like, 17 or 18, and you go, okay, they haven't tortured animals, so they're not going to be serial killers. I'm okay. Okay, so, you know, we just have these moments, these measures of, like, whoo, okay, 
success, you know, and we, we get to this other place. And then there are other times when, you know, our kids, you know, they mess up and they do things because they're humans, you know, and, and we feel the pain that they feel. And not only do we feel the pain that they feel, we feel the pain of us failing when they fail. And it's really hard. And it's really hard to, to navigate through that and process all of that. And um, so we're going to talk about that kind of stuff today. Is it okay? Is it okay that we get real about motherhood Woo! and all the stuff that comes with it? The shame is actually going to be our topic today. Now, I'm going to make a little distinction here because Eric has been talking about so, so good. Shame that's associated with sin and um, how Jesus and the blood of Christ that took that shame from us. And listen, that is a book that could have been written by me because I have had sin in my life and Jesus has erased the shame. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all don't even know. If you don't know my story, let's talk later because, wow, uh, I was a crazy person for some years. And um, did a lot of bad things, and I'm so thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for me. Um, so, but I'm going to make a little distinction just to separate, because I'm a teacher, and this is what I do. So I'm going to separate. I'm going to talk about shame that's associated with failure, you know, everyday failure, and it's a little bit different. It could be shame that's associated with sin, but we're going to talk about shame associated with failure. Are you guys okay with that? All right, so I'm going to start by telling you a really funny story about myself, and it's probably one of the most embarrassing stories um, or embarrassing experiences of my life. So let's rewind to Mother's Day of 2017, okay? Just one year ago today, I had just been given the job of doing announcements, and um, it was Mother's Day, and, and it was this brand new job, so I've done public speaking before, but I was still a little nervous, and you know, I'm kind of a live cannon sometimes, and sometimes I say things like, blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, that kind of happened, but let me preface this, okay? I was having a rough morning that morning, okay? And this was not a rough morning like, like, oh, my kids didn't bless me enough on Mother's Day kind of morning, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that, that's not even the thing. I love my kids. They're wonderful. They're good to me. They bless me on Mother's Day just about as much as I bless them on their birthdays, and if anybody knows how well I do that... <laughs> I'm real good at birthdays. Okay, so, um, so, but I'm having this rough morning. My boys are about to graduate high school, okay? And I was grieving, and it was just a really dark time in my life. And Truman, you guys know Truman. If you don't, he's, he's our little boy that um, is overcoming autism right now, and he had had a rough morning, and I was really feeling hopeless, and I was feeling sorry for myself. And for some reason, I was thinking that Mother's Day you know, would be the one day that I wouldn't feel like a failure. You know what I'm saying? Like as all of a sudden how magically I wake up on Mother's Day and all of a sudden the rest of the 364 days a year that I feel like a failure was going to go away on Mother's Day, right? Okay, it didn't happen. So I'm like, why won't this feeling go away? Why don't I feel like an amazing mom? Why don't I feel like a rock star right now? I actually feel really cruddy about myself. So I come to church, and it's time for announcements. And listen, y'all, you probably even remember it, because you probably died when I said it. I said, Happy Mother's Day, everyone. The most disappointing day of the year. <laughs> and I'm like, and I look at Eric, and he has this puzzled look on his face, like, what? 
And I'm like, oh my God, I leaked. Like, what's inside me came out. I, and then I'm trying to pull it back. You should have heard me trying to pull it back. I was like, I, I mean, you know, you know, it's just this made up day by like these greeting card companies. And we, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. And I'm just like, Lord, like, why do you even give me a microphone? Sometimes it just doesn't even, why? Like, it's so bad, so humiliating. And, and literally, to this day, I think about it and I go, you know what I'm talking about? Shame. Just like the shame hangover was there for weeks. And I'm like, Lord, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Because then I'm thinking about, you know, there were probably mothers there that had lost their children, mothers there that had so many other things to complain about. And I don't even know. What, like, what? why did I think it was disappointing? I don't know. So I had to search the Lord. I had to go, okay, God, I just publicly humiliated myself. Now, what do we do to fix this? What is at the root of this problem? And so the Lord showed me that I, <laughs> I just believed I was a failure. And I believed that I just wasn't enough. And I believed that I didn't have what it took to be in the role that I was in. And there wasn't enough of me to go around. You know, I was failing here, I was failing this person, my schedule was a mess, I was forgetting about things, I was forgetting meetings, you know, and I was just, it was just chaos. There was just a lot of chaos in my life. And so I really just felt like a failure. And I started realizing that I am not alone. That I am not alone in the feeling and in the struggle of feeling like I'm not enough and I don't have what it takes. And in fact, done some study on it over the last few years, studied a lot of Brene Brown. I've been looking into the restoring the foundations. These are all things that I've been learning over the years. And you know how you logically know something, but you can't figure out how to put it into action for a while. So, um, and, I, and I began to study this little phenomenon called shame. Okay, so shame as, as Brene Brown defines it, is, let me make sure that I get it right, the belief that we are unworthy of love and connection, often with feelings of being not enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not skinny enough, not a good enough mom, not a good enough wife, insert, insert the whatever. And when we, when we begin to feel like I'm not good enough is when we begin to feel like if you knew how bad I stink, you wouldn't want to be in connection with me. And so we begin to disconnect first. Oh, can't show up to church because of what I did yesterday. Oh, can't go to connect group because they just get all up in my business. And I don't want them to know how bad I'm failing, that I'm really screaming at my kids 24-7 or, you know, what, whatever it is, whatever our struggle is. And we disconnect and we think... We think that, we, th we just think we're unworthy of it. So we just, anyway, we disconnect. Restoring the foundations calls it um, a belief that you're hopelessly flawed. And I like to say that it's just a little voice in your head that says, you don't have what it takes. Who do you think you are about to go do da-da-da? I mean, don't you know what you did yesterday? Or don't you know? Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. That's my shame loop. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say, so just shut your face. Now, 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 that was true a year ago. Nobody wanted to hear that just 
the disappointing thing. But anyway, <laughs> sometimes people don't want to hear what I have to say, and I have to, like, filter that. Okay, but I'm working on filters. Okay, so, um, but here's what I've noticed. Everybody struggles with shame, and, um, but I've tended to notice that mothers struggle the most, and I'm going to prove it to you. We put that scripture up, Proverbs 29:15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Anybody feel like that's fair? Why didn't it bring shame to the father? Huh? I don't understand. <laughs> it's just not even right. It is. It's like it's all of our fault. It's our fault. When our children fail, it's my fault. And we feel it. Don't we feel it? We even amp it up a little bit. We're like, we're like, it's not even, you know, like if they, uh, I think one of them is disobedience or whatever. But even if they just barely fail, even if they, even if they walk downstairs in an outfit that I would not walk outside with, and we're like, you can't do that, you know, and we just freak out because the shame, it comes and it hits us. Anyway, now to be fair, probably what this meant was, hey, I'm just warning you that moms tend to wear shame a little bit more than dads do, so you probably want to be aware of that and fight against it because Jesus died for your shame. You don't have to. Do do you see what I'm saying? It's probably what that was is more of a warning. Hey, just so you know, you're going to wear the shame of your kids' failures, so be aware of it. But it's almost like it's a curse. It's acting like a curse, you know? Shame on the mother, because you just failed. Okay, you can take that down. Um, so I'm going to explain to you this little phenomenon that Restoring the Foundations teaches about shame, fear, control, cycle. Okay, so kid throws a fit in Walmart, or, you know, something happens, your, your child does something, they fail, they, they do a public failure, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you it's like a finger in a wound. You know, you got this big gaping wound, and it's like a finger in the wound. And you're like, and all of a sudden, you feel like, oh, my gosh. And you start to panic, and you go, oh, my gosh, I failed my children. I failed. I don't know how to discipline my children. I don't know how to do this. So fear sets in. And we go, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to think I'm a bad mom. My kids are going to know that I don't know what I'm doing. Don't let them know I don't know what I'm doing. And so we, we go in this chaos. We go in this chaos as it begins to spin in our mind, and we can't handle it. And listen, so guys, you're probably not understanding what's happening here because the women's minds are a little bit more sophisticated. I'm just saying. We tend to, we tend to go from like minimal failure to optimal failure in like 0.3 seconds in our mind. Okay, let me explain. If my child has a messy room, I am convinced they're going to die alone at age 35 with their 15 cats in their messy apartment. <laughs> it's instantly I go there. <gasps> oh my gosh, if you, don't know, if you don't know how to do this, this is what's going to happen in your future. We do that, don't we? Yeah. Do we not? We do. We do this future projection. Guys, you probably don't do that. I don't know why, but this is what we do. So anyway, that chaos can't live up in here for very long, okay? Th- that fear and that it's going like this and you're going like this and you're like, uh... We have to bring it into control. So boom, in steps control. And we either scream, we yell, we spank hard, we grit our teeth and we say, don't you do that again. 
We pinch. <laughs> Get it together. You are embarrassing me. So that's a little bit of shame, fear, control, right? We do that. Okay. But then, then, do you not feel shame after you've exerted your control? Yes. It's a cycle. We're like, oh my gosh, I failed my kids again. I did it again. I promised myself and I promised the Lord I was not going to scream at my kids again and I screamed at my kids again. Why? Why? Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep, why do I keep like pulling that cycle? So, whew. So we all kind of have this problem, right? Okay, so the problem, let's redefine the problem. The problem is not the control and the behaviors that you use. The problem is not the fear. The problem is the shame. The problem is the belief system that we have at our core that we're not good enough, we're not going to make it, we don't have what it takes, we're unworthy of love and belonging, you don't belong here, nobody's going to like you. That's really the problem because that is what drives the rest of the behavior. Does that make sense? So we need to figure out how to fix that problem, the problem that I'm unworthy, the problem that I'm unworthy of love and connection. And this is the part where I'm going to let you know that this problem has already been solved for us. Did you know? If you want to fix it horizontally with people, you've got to fix it here. You've got to know that you are, are loved and that you belong here before it can go here. Okay? So we are going to figure out how God already solved this problem. I'm seriously so excited about this. Okay, so... This is going to feel like a detour, but it's not, okay? This is on topic, but I got to explain to you how God already solved the problem here so we can do it here. Does that make sense? So now we're going to have a history lesson. Okay, we are going to talk about Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit and what their different roles are. They have separate and distinct roles. I don't know if you knew that. Some of you might, that's been around for a while, you might, oh yeah, I totally get that. Some of you that are new, you might be like, wow, I've always wondered why sometimes it's Holy Spirit and sometimes it's Father and sometimes it's Jesus. I just thought you just picked one. They actually have a role and they have a function. So um, now if you do have any concept of it, sometimes we think of Father God as this mean, mean, grumpy father who needs to punish. And we think of Jesus as the wonderful, wonderful person who saved us from the mean father right, because of what he did on the cross. Tom preached a message about that a few weeks, or a few months ago, years ago, sometime. And then we think Holy Spirit is this weird wind that just, I don't really know the Holy Spirit. Is it formless? Is it, is it a person? Do you have a body? Are you, what are you? What's your role? What's your function? So, um, but Jesus is our dude, you know, he's our man, usually, almost always, if you were to say, which person of the Godhead do you feel like you relate to the best? People, most people are going to be like, mm, Jesus, always Jesus, you know, and I don't know why, probably because he came in human form and he feels more relatable, um, but um, 
Recently, we've talked about Father God and how Father God um, needs justice. You know, there's a justice piece to God, and we've been talking about Jesus and how he satisfied that with his blood. Today, we're going to talk about um, Holy Spirit and the role of Holy Spirit in this Trinity um, phenomenon. So, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Um, we know that he's the, the word says he's the helper, he's the comforter. Uh, he's, repo- he's responsible for that amazing day at Pentecost, right? Whoa, wouldn't you like to have been there for that? Um, so what is the significance of it? And how does the Trinity cooperate together? That's going to be our subject matter. So you guys ready to go on a history lesson? All right, first we're going to go to Romans 8, 1 through 6. <clears throat> And this is out of the Passion Version. Excuse me. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. So there goes our shame, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. Do you understand that? Once and for all, Jesus handled the guilt and the power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. That's the Holy Spirit. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but according to the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Okay, I am going to, so do you guys understand that? Did you get the, and if you don't understand it, you will in a second. Um, let me do a couple more scriptures so you got some basis, and then I'm going to throw it all together. So John 1, well, we're going to, okay, no, don't do it yet. We, I am going to recap I'm going to do Shelley Hansen's version of creation to Pentecost in about 10 minutes. You guys think I can do it? Okay. All right. So, so cuz we're going to try to understand what is all that? What what was what was um what was Paul saying in Romans when he was talking about uh, Jesus fulfilled the law. Well, who brought the law? Oh, that was Father. Father brought the law. Jesus fulfilled that so that now we can live sinless. How? How do we live sinless? Because of that spirit of God. Okay, so we're going to talk about how all this is linked together. It's going to make sense, I promise. Okay, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, who is he? Who are they talking about? Who's the word? Jesus. Jesus was with Father God when God created the earth. 
Okay, do you know that? All right, next one, Genesis 1-ish, 1-1. Yeah, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, who was with God? Jesus. Next. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So where was Holy Spirit? Hovering over the waters. So get this. Pretend like this is up in heaven. Here's God. Here's Jesus. And here's Holy Spirit. Sorry. I'm trying to do my, uh, what's, the, what's the Mission Impossible guy? Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. He's hovering. This is Holy Spirit. And he's just waiting for Jesus and God to do their thing. Okay, and speak. Let there be light. And there was light. And then he went through the process of creating the earth. Now, um, so the Spirit is the one that did the work. Father is the one that spoke, right? And Jesus was there kind of doing a collaboration with Father. So we understand the placement, right, where they are. Okay, so... So he was able to create father as, as Father spoke, and he breathed life into Adam, and Eve was created. And there was unhindered connection between Adam and Eve and God because there was no sin. There was unhindered connection. So from creation, we've been designed to connect with him and with people. Did you hear that? From creation, we were designed to connect with God and with people. That's how God created it. It says... They were naked and not ashamed. And you guys, listen, go back and read creation. It's the coolest, I don't know. I don't have time to do it today, and I wish I did, but it is just the, when you see how God originally created things and how he wanted us um, to be unashamed. He did not want shame in the world. He wanted us to have unhindered connection with him and with each other. And, um, and it wasn't until sin entered the world, it wasn't until disobedience happened that shame came in. Shame has been our enemy from the beginning. I mean, there's a real enemy too, but the, the tool that the enemy has used against us from the beginning. So, <clears throat> so I just want to put this in there. Based on what happened in creation, before you are anything in God, you are a son and daughter, son or a daughter. Before you're a singer, before you're a preacher, before you're a prophet, you are a son or a daughter of God. And he is longing for connection with you. It has been his, his whole purpose from the beginning yes. was connection with God, connection with each other. That's always been his purpose. But then sin happened and they hid and they were afraid and they disconnected from God right? But he had a plan. Because here's the deal. I don't think that God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, after Adam sinned, went, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? You know, we don't know what their perspective is. You know, were they over here in this holy huddle? You know what I'm saying? And Father God's like, okay, I have an idea. Jesus, you're not going to like this. You know? I don't think they were surprised. Kind of feel like it was part of the plan from the beginning, right? 
knew we were going to mess up, knew it, and was still okay with it. Did you know that God is okay with your mistakes? He had a plan from the beginning to deal with your mistakes, to love you through your mistakes, to love you through your failures. Did you know that? Okay, so where am I at? Okay, getting excited. So, So here we go. So Father and Jesus, they're up in heaven, and so, so they've got a plan, already have the plan. They knew, Father knew, blood was the ultimate thing that would allow connection back to God, right? Blood was, the, was like the magic eraser of sin, and it could take that black paint, and it could erase it out, and, and you can be friends again with God. Okay, so throughout the Old Testament, did you guys know that the role of Holy Spirit was... Um, was different. He was kind of hindered, okay? You know how Holy Spirit can live inside of us now, right? Do you guys know that? Well, Holy Spirit could not live inside of people in Old Testament because of the the sin and all of that. Uh, The temple wasn't full, because the, you know, they did the blood sacrifices once a year, and that was good enough for for sin and all that, but Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in. That had to come later. Um, So Holy Spirit would come upon, just like the a prophet, and they would speak the word. Um, it would come like the burning bush. It would be in the Ark of the Covenant. It would be in the Temple of the Holy of Holies. It was in places. It dwelled in places, and only the priests could even approach it. Like common people, mm-mm. we, I would not have wanted to live in the days of the Old Testament. Okay, and it's not because of really like indoor plumbing. It is because I really like Holy Spirit in the presence of Holy Spirit, and it would not have been like it was today. Okay, so. So, yes, we do. We very much take Holy Spirit for granted and the fact that Holy Spirit is in us all the time. Okay, so Old Testament, this is kind of skipping. Pardon me for every book that I'm skipping in the Bible. Okay, now it's time for Jesus, okay? It's time for Jesus to get up off his throne and come down to earth and do his thing and to once and for all be the atonement of sin that we needed. No longer do we have to make the blood sacrifices to just cover our sin. It is once and for all. And if you need more information about that, go listen to Eric's messages about what the blood of Christ has done for us because it is like amazing. Jesus, and I really hate skipping over all the amazingness of Jesus, but today's about Holy Spirit, so I need to stay focused. Okay. Jesus came to his earth, and he did his thing, and he was amazing, okay? He healed the sick, he raised the dead, and he did it all in oneness with the Father, and the Holy Spirit even rested on him, okay? So, when Jesus died on the cross, and he made the ultimate atonement, not only did it cover our sins, okay? There was a lot of things that the blood of Christ accomplished. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But one of the things that the blood of Christ accomplished for us was the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? And um, I'm going to try to stay to my notes because my notes were good, but I'm only winging it here. Um, Yeah, no, we're just going. Okay, so... The blood of Christ covered our sins and made way for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, which I think is my next scripture. Can we go to um, what do you have next? 
Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that's the one I wanted. I didn't highlight it. Okay, there it is. Yes, John 14, 16. Sorry, guys. I'm so excited. Okay, so, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Um, even the spirit of truth, can you go to the next one? Oh, sorry. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Okay, so one of the things that the blood of Christ did was it allowed for the the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Not in a temple, not come upon and leave, to dwell in us, okay? So Jesus talked about it. So there was this, okay, so this is what I like to imagine. So Holy Spirit... His job was to come upon, and he helped out Jesus, you know, through the whole, everything that he did. So then Jesus died on the cross, and guess who rose him from the grave? Holy Spirit. So he's like, oh yeah, I get some action, get some more action. I'm going to raise Jesus from the dead. And then, here's what I'm thinking about. You know that um, the day of Pentecost, you know what I'm talking about? The day of Pentecost? And um, when the Holy Spirit came and flooded the place, I like to imagine this little conversation between Holy Spirit and Father God because, you know, Holy Spirit's been waiting about 4,000 years for this to happen, just like Jesus was. I'm sure Jesus is pretty antsy to come to heaven as well. So then here's Holy Spirit, and he's just sitting there. He's like, he's rose Jesus from the dead, and he looks at Father, and he's like, can I go now? Is it my turn? Do I get this? Can I? Father's like, he has to spend 40 days there. Just give him a minute. And he's going to send. Then it will be your turn. And he's like, okay. You know, I just imagine the super excitement of Holy Spirit. That's how I imagine the Holy Spirit. It's ready to work, ready to do, ready to go. And so, um, so I, let's, let's go for, let's, let's read Acts 2, 1 through 13. Okay, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthian, I don't know these names. Skip it. Yep. (laughs) Moving on. Yep, them and them and them and there, and visitors from Rome, (laughs) both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. They're drunk. They are drunk. So that's what they thought. So 
Can you imagine if Holy Spirit came upon us the way Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost? What would we do? How would we feel? Would you be a little weirded out by it? Some of us are like, yeah, bring it. Make us look drunk. Woo! Some of us are like, mm, no, mm -mm, no, no. I'm good. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You can keep your Holy Spirit. I'm good. It's going to be okay. We need to stop downplaying the role of Holy Spirit in our life. Do you understand? Do we fully understand the power of Holy Spirit? Do you understand how long Holy Spirit had to wait to dwell in you? Do you understand that this was the plan from the beginning, was to make connection back to God? So if we go back to the problem at hand is, uh, I feel unworthy of love and connection. Did you know that God's master plan of, of, of Jesus and Holy Spirit was to bring connection back to God? It is so that connection, so much connection that Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Like the same Holy Spirit that created the earth, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. It's not like you get this little portion of it, you know, like this little, here's a pie and here's a piece and here's a that. No, it is, we get the fullness, the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And that is powerful, you guys. We are not weak, need, mamby, pamby, little undercomers. We are... We're something, man. We are new creations with Christ. We have got Holy Spirit, the, the God of the universe, living inside of us. That is power. And do you know, do you know that when Holy Spirit comes to live in you, that, you, that, that he also comes as a little bag of tricks? You know, Holy Spirit is responsible in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Learned that in the Bible study back in 2003. So, but did you know that that's, that's what you pull from? Who needs more love? Who needs to give more love? Who needs more patience? Who needs more kindness? I need patience. We have that inside of us because that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. You know, all the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts prophecy, all of that, that's manifested. Did you know that the fullness of the gifts are inside of you? You'd be like, I can't prophesy. Yes, you can. You have the spirit in you. Yes, yeah, you do. Well, I can't, I can't do that. I can't pray for the sick. Yeah, yeah, you can. Do you have the spirit in you? Yeah. Yep. Cause you got the fullness in you. And so we've got to stop downplaying it, underestimating it. And listen, because I know some things, cause I study <laughs> study how the brain works and how emotions work I'm kind of one of those inner healing gals I know why you don't believe it I have a little key to it now we're gonna go a little over and I'm super sorry just give me some just give me some time and if you need to go because you're a mother and you want to honor your mother I would totally understand but I promise you you probably want to stay okay so I'm just saying okay let me get a sip so Either, if you're sitting here and you're like, what? 
I had no idea. You know, there's some of us, there's kind of probably two reasons why the, why the Holy Spirit's not working and manifesting in our life the way we, way we want him to. Is one, we just don't know. We just don't know. We just didn't understand. I didn't understand that that's the whole reason why Holy Spirit is here. Connection back to God. Give me also to, to be my comforter, to be my teacher, to be my helper. If I don't know how to do something, Holy Spirit knows how to do it or will show you how to learn it. I mean, don't do heart surgery just like, you know, waiting on the Holy Spirit. That's bad. But he'll show you what to do and where to go. You know, that is the job. That's the role of Holy Spirit. So some of you are like, wow, I just didn't know that. I'm going to start doing it. Other of you are like, yeah, I kind of did know that, but I still don't want Holy Spirit moving. Nope. I don't want nothing to do with, mm-mm, mm-mm. Might take me over. So I think some of us have a little issue with Holy Spirit. We just don't know it. And I have a theory. Do you want to hear it? It's not really my theory. It's from the Sozo teaching. Okay, so there is a teaching that Sozo does, and it's called the Father Ladder. And it's based on um, kind of needs and fears from childhood, okay? So all of us have needs as children, and when those needs are not met, they become fears. Would you guys agree with that? Feels right, feels true. If I, if I need food and I don't get it, I'm going to have a fear. It's probably going to implant a fear in me the rest of my life that I'm not going to have enough, right? Okay, so um, I'm not going to expound upon all this scripturally, but just believe me or not. You can discard it. But um, so the, the father, when he created the families, okay, he created them with, with the family in mind or with, with the Godhead in mind. So... The, the word talks about Father God being our provider, our protector, and our giver of identity. And that is the role of fathers on earth. That's your job, guys. Identity, provision, protection. And um, so Jesus fills the role because he's the son of God. Jesus fills the role. We understand him as the way we understand our brothers and sisters. So our brothers and sisters, the role of the brother and sister, the purpose is so that we understand connection, so that we understand um, com- uh, communication and um, companionship. So now, Holy Spirit in the Word is described as our comforter, our teacher, our helper, okay? And is also comes with the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, kind of the multitasker of the Godhead. So who does that sound like in the family? Mother. Mother. See, see, what, see what I did there? Mother's Day. It's about Holy Spirit. Mother. Okay. I am not saying Holy Spirit is a woman. Okay. So just throw that out. Now, what I am saying is that, um, that the mom's job is to comfort and teach and all those things. And sometimes when that need for comfort and that need for being taught, um, gets interpreted in a way that's negative, then it becomes a fear rather than a met need. It's no longer a met need, it becomes a fear. And so what I'm trying to say is that somehow, sometimes, sometimes the role of our mom in our life, and we don't know that we're doing it, I know that I've done this to my children, so don't panic, and I'm not judging moms, we're not doing a mom slam here. I'm just saying, it's, how, it's whether you perceive it or whether, you, um, whether it was really real. Sometimes, if you have... If you have perceived your mom as controlling or embarrassing or manipulative or forceful, 
then you may not want anything to do with the Holy Spirit's power coming on you because you, you don't know you've done it, but you've associated the power of the Holy Spirit with something that's forceful and I'll be out of control and I hate the feeling of being out of control and I don't like that and just know. Now, if, um, and, that, and that can sometimes create an issue with, with engaging in worship and feeling his presence. Now, when we interpret, whether it's true or not, our mother's love as passive or lazy or neglectful or selfish, then we can begin to perceive Holy Spirit, excuse me, as that same thing. We don't understand the full power of Holy Spirit. We're like, mm, Holy Spirit doesn't care about me. He's too busy. He's too busy running the world to care about my little old problem. You know, he doesn't, I, don't, I don't know how to be comforted. A lot of times when we're not comforted as children, we turn to other comforts, booze, alcohol. It's the same thing. <laughs> Drugs, <laughs> sex, whatever it is. But am I making sense of you catching what I'm throwing at you? Okay, so here's what I want to do, because oh, we're going to wrap this thing up. It's going to be good. We having some aha moments? Okay. So some of you are like, no, I'm fine with Holy Spirit, and my mom was great, so that's perfect. But if, if you're like, ooh, I do have an issue with Holy Spirit. I think I do. You know, it starts with just simply forgiving our moms, because <laughs> by golly, we've done the best we can, Okay. We are really trying, and, um, and sometimes I already know. I already know, especially my kids' younger years, I was a controlling controller. <laughs> so <clears throat> I already know my kids have Holy Spirit problems, and we're working on those. So, <clears throat> so what I want to do is I want to lead you guys through a time of forgiving our moms. You guys okay with that? And then I want to lead us on a time of spending some time where we receive the Holy Spirit, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and really begin to believe him for who he is in our lives. Are you guys cool with that too? Okay, so I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up, and if you just want to play quietly, because we're going to do a little. And then here's the deal. Um, it's kind of going to be close to the end of the service, so I'm going to let people go. Okay, do you have anything to say before? Okay. So I'm going to let you do your business with the Lord. We're, I'm going to lead you through a prayer of just forgiving our mom. And then I'm going to lead you through, I'm probably going to ask the altar team to come up. And um, I'm going to ask you guys to come up and just worship and receive the new and fresh filling of Holy Spirit like you've never felt before. You know, if you're realizing, wow, I just never wanted Holy Spirit to come over me because I was just too afraid of being out of it. But now I see that it's so amazing and wonderful and I want that. Then I want you to come up. Okay, if you need to leave because you have to go to a thingy, cool, do it later, do it in the car, but I think it's going to be cool here.